the Midwinter Way, uh, a practice talk. Uh, we acknowledge the Wajuk people and the wider community of the Noongar people, past and present, the traditional owners of the lands on which we conduct our ceremonies and our meditation tonight. Please sit comfortably. Uh, tonight's talk is uh, practice orientated and uh, invite any questions that you want to raise at the end. Um, but um, uh, it's a chance to raise issues which are related to your practice and how it's going and questions. And, uh, and cold is so uh, elemental, uh, so uh, fundamental. And here we are in the, in the depths of winter, not long past the winter solstice itself. Uh, longest night of the year, uh, shortest day of the year. Um, I love that, that those there's a line that opens Little Giddy, T.S. Eliot's, um, one of the quartets. It goes... Um, uh, bright midwinter springs, uh, sempiternal, but sodden towards sundown. And uh, it's very, uh, in a way, it's, uh, I mean, that's uh, England, but uh, uh, those tender parts of the day where it is bright, uh, still cold uh, with that radiant uh, sun, and uh, so evanescent. Um, <laughs> that it breaks your heart. It's there and then you come out again and it's clouded over and, and raining. But the way is great because it encourages us not to make those kind of preferences. Uh, you know, like to be with what uh, is. So when it's cold, it's cold. Uh, and you are intimate with that. In terms of the Noongar people's calendar, we are in Makuru, uh, the coldest and wettest time of the year, which is also the fertility uh, season, the season of great fertility. And I think this uh, uh, the season of, uh, of uh, withering away uh, and yet of fertility is very much like the way itself and the deepening of practice. Makuru corresponds to June, July, which is the first two months of winter in terms of conventional Western calendar. Unlike the calendar dates of Western weather cycles, Noongar seasons are announced by changes in the natural environment rather than uh, dates on the calendar. So uh, the six seasons, some can be quite long, other ones are shorter, depending on what is happening. Traditionally, uh, for Noongar people, Makaru was a good time of the year to move back inland from the coast as the winds turned to the west and south, bringing cold weather, rain and uh, even occasionally snow uh, on the peaks of the Stirling and Parangara ranges. 
as the waterways and catchments started to fill, Noongar people were able to move about their country with ease and thus their food sources changed from sea, estuarine, estuarine and lake foods to those of the lands, uh, of the lands, in particular the grazing animals such as the kangaroo. Makaroo is the season of fertility, the time for a lot of animals to be pairing up in preparation for breeding in the coming season. And uh, I'm, it, it, uh, there's wonderful crow uh, stories here, and uh, it, it reminds me of Michael Wright's um, uh, when we sit on country with Michael, and Michael will indicate the changes that uh, certainly, as someone I've lived here all my life, that I have not realised with the changes of season. Um, drawing our attention to the angle of the light and the length of the shadows when we sit on the country, as well as indicating changes in flora and the presence of, for instance, the red-tailed black cockatoos at the beginning of their breeding seasons. Um, and uh, this story uh, follows from that. If you look carefully, you might see pairs of crows flying together. You also notice these pairs are not making the usual uh, that those birds are well known for when flying solo. Um, Larry Blight, who's a Noongar man from Albany, puts it, like a lot of bird life, they're all mating up now at this time of the year. No longer calling out for a mate, crows grow distinctly quiet during makaroo or fertility season. You generally won't hear them, he says. The male and the female are coupling up and whether that keeps the male quiet or the female content, uh, I'm not too sure, he says. Um, but this noticing, this minute noticing of what is actually uh, happening is important. And, you know, it's hard for me not to think of my partner Antoinette because uh, she does gardening all of the time. So she's aware of this sort of thing. It's not metaphysical, right? it's ordinary, it's daily. And uh, I tend to be sort of uh, a hibernator, rather. I stay indoors and uh, sedentary, so uh, I have a kind of access to the season, but it's very dim indeed. I keep making these resolutions, even in winter, to get out more and get out more you know, into the garden. And indeed into her garden, which is a tremendously complex and beautiful and ramified garden, which occupies the entire block just about. I've got here, um, this is the first century um, when more people, globally speaking, are living in cities uh, and suburban areas and generally in urban culture. So this is the first century that where urban culture, a uh, number of people living in urban culture exceeds uh, people living elsewhere. We tend to be out of contact with the seasons. Uh, air conditioning, heaters, being inside um, makes this more so, just as the lights of our cities obscure the stars. With winter, uh, we are driven indoors. We feel the need for more sleep. Uh, and I find that in winter, I sleep 
uh, a lot more and valued uh, a nap in the afternoon. Winter also tends to, in a way, uh, drive us inwards. It's, uh, Zazen is good for all seasons, but winter is uh, especially good for uh, Zazen. Zazen keeps the form. If you sit really still um, and don't move to make further contact with your uh, clothing, the actual circulation that comes from your thumbs touching and your mudra and your hands resting one with the other tends to set up a cycle uh, that keeps you warm. So it's really highly recommended, um, as is bed. Winter, the winter of our practice, uh, well that's the withering away of concepts, hopes, illusions, preoccupations, uh, and the cultivation of a kind of natural asceticism. Um, doing Zazen, I think we get a little less needy, uh, a little less need to be rushing out into the world and engaging with the uh, with this uh, thing that has to be done and, and that. I mean, work is hard and busy, but I think when we sit down, then we get more contented to be uh, where we are. And we find that uh, everything is there uh, with us, uh, as us. This is often the time when we sense we are going nowhere in our practice. Uh, but where are we meant to be going in our practice? Uh, the Zen practice of just sitting, says Lewis Richmond, uh, a Soto teacher in Shunra Suzuki's tradition. The Zen practice of just sitting doesn't help us to reach our destination. It stops us from having one. It stops us from having a destination. But how do you go nowhere? Well, allow your thoughts to just be. You don't especially cultivate them and you don't push them away. Uh, like this, you deepen without destination. Uh, you deepen right where you are. You deepen right as you are. No destination here. With the karma, the matter of not going anywhere is a little bit more subtle. When you're working with the karma, you don't cultivate a goal, as in. Uh, I am practicing to get enlightenment. Okay. Uh, that, uh, that I am practicing to get enlightenment is just another concept or thought. Um, and in this regard, all thoughts are of equal weight. Okay. A thought about eggs for breakfast and a thought about getting enlightened are of equivalent weight here. Yeah. 
So you just allow the thought to arise and you just allow it uh, to go. First line when working with a card is just simply allowing things to pass without forcing them away. At other stages of the practice you may use Manjushri sword when you have to. This said, uh, I mean the business of uh, not cultivating the thought of enlightenment. This said, the desire for enlightenment, bodhicitta, is vital. Important distinction here. Without that animating urge, without that love of the way, without that embarkation into the way, nothing happens at all. So bodhicitta is vital. Uh, it animates whatever forms of practice we undertake. The point is we just don't cash it out, uh, cash out our desire for the way um, uh, as thoughts about it. We don't sit over a cushion and think, oh, I've got to get enlightened, I've got to get enlightened, I've got to get enlightened, that kind of thing. But the, the urge, uh, you plough you it into the practice itself by coming back to move, uh, by coming back to uh, who is hearing, or what is the sound of one hand, um, and invest it completely in that, not thinking about getting enlightenment and all that. It all gets mulched in. Uh, just like the reading you do, and it's important to read. It's important to find the context in which, discover the context in which you are practicing. But the best kind of reading is the kind of reading that gets you onto your cushion. Read a paragraph or two, take the inspiration, uh, get onto your cushion and settle in there whether that be shikantasa or silent illumination, breath practice, working with the Khan. Uh, cultivating this is the fertility of winter uh, practice, all season practice. Dong Shan uh, wrote in one of his poems in the Five Ranks, A withered tree blossoms in timeless spring. So there is the withering of winter uh, and there is the blossoming of spring. No causal connection between them at all. Untrackable. It's a beautiful poem by Wu Men. Spring comes with the flowers, autumn with the moon, summer with breeze, winter with snow. When useless things don't hang in your mind, that is your best season. 
This is um, his expression of ordinary mind. Now we think of ordinary mind, we think of ordinary mind, just our ordinary, our ordinary preoccupations, um, uh, irritations, uh, pissed offness, uh, the things that uh, keep recurring when they shouldn't keep recurring. the memory of insults from the past which recur in the present and disturb us and that we find hard to let go of. In fact, we try to let go and they continue to return, uh, like a child uh, wanting attention. So there is ordinary mind. But ordinary mind is actually not distinct from ordinary mind at all. It is included. It is part of it. But when Wu Men is presenting ordinary mind here, he presents it as the seasons themselves. And I'm not talking about symbolically here. Uh, ordinary mind is uh, winter itself. There's wonderful um, Mary Rubin's done um, uh, a great Taisho on this card which we have uh, on our website. Uh, ordinary mind in the way, is the way. Uh, case 19 from the women clan. And he, he, Chao Cho is about 18 years old and he comes to his teacher Nan Chuan and he asks, uh, what is the way? What is the Dao? Nan Chuan said, ordinary mind is the way. Ordinary mind is the Dao. Chacho said, how do I direct myself to it? Nanchuan said, if you try to direct yourself, you deviate. Chacho's question is about practice. How do I go about this? How do I direct myself to it? Nanchan says, if you try to direct yourself, you deviate. Chao Cho said, how can I know the way if I don't try? Great question. How can I know the way if I don't try? Nanchan said, when you truly experience the Tao, you will, realize, you will know that it is vast and boundless as outer space. How can this be confirmed by trying or not trying? Chacho had an awakening. Uh, Nanchuan is so generous. You know, when you truly apprehend the way, you will know that it is vast and boundless as outer space. How can this be confirmed with trying or not trying. Uh, Wuben comments very ironically on Chao Chao's realisation. Okay, he said, it took him another 30 years to confirm that. Okay, you have, you have a little awakening uh, and then you sit for years. Uh, uh, that awakening is not the end of the story, uh, it's the beginning of the story. It's a kind of a honeymoon, if you will. 
Okay? Long marriage with the way to follow, uh, with huge amounts to learn and great distances to travel. So, uh, women wrote this little poem about ordinary mind. Spring comes to the flowers, autumn with the moon, summer with breeze. You're living in China. <laughs> summer with heat, uh, winter with rain. Speaking for us here. The seasons are ordinary mind itself. The seasons are the profound expression of who we are at death. Uh, we are nothing but winter, winter all through. Winter finds its means to express itself as us. How does it do that? Getting up in the morning, sitting zazen, making coffee. Uh, what is your best season? Uh, how about the season of right now? Winter, especially snow, is a metaphor for emptiness. Uh, Hakuin's name means uh, hidden in white or concealed in white. This, um, his temple uh, showing to you where he taught for 50 years one temple there near Mount Fuji. Uh, this concealed in white, can't distinguish man from the snow and the mists. Hakuin had many awakening experiences, but he had his final awakening, reading the Lotus Sutra and hearing the sound, becoming aware of the sound of soft snow falling. He framed his realisation, there is no mind outside the Lotus Sutra and no Lotus Sutra outside the mind. As a young man he despised the Lotus Sutra. He said it was just a heap of old fairy stories. Hmm. But what was most important about this realisation is not just another many accounts of realisation. He realised that awakened mind means working for the good of every sentient being. Uh, at last for him it became practical. Uh, he was 31, he lived into his 80s. He spent the next 50 years um, living that out and training uh, hundreds of students. It's no exaggeration to say that because of his efforts and the line of teachers, two lines of teachers that sprang from him, we sit here tonight. There's a great poem uh, that uh, Peter Mathiasen took when he went in search of the snow leopard in the, in the Himalayas. Uh, his teacher, Edo Shimano, gave him the poem. A thousand mountains are covered with snow, why is this one peak? not white. He 
very beautiful. Thousand mountains are covered with snow. This is the vastness of the central nature. Why is this one peak not wide? Well, you know, what is this one peak that is being referred to here? Buddha nature pervades the whole universe. Existing right here. Yeah. I'm doing this on behalf of everybody, this is not just personal. <laughs> Saves energy. <laughs> yeah. Just you as you sit there. Yeah, why is this one pink dot white? Good not to complain about the weather. Uh, complaining in a culture of complaint uh, makes everything worse. Uh, it's good to stop bothering the cold and the rain. Dongshan. was in dialogue with a monk and the monk asked his teacher when cold and heat visit us how do we avoid them? Dongshan replied why not go where there is neither cold nor heat? What is that place where there is neither cold nor heat? asked the monk. Dongshan replied when it is hot let the heat kill you when it is cold let the cold kill you. This is not masochism uh, we'll kill here is let the, let the cold take everything away. Let there be nothing but cold. This is really important. Kill this in the sense of um, your separation is killed at that moment. Uh, let there be nothing but cold. And when you get into bed, <laughs> let there be nothing but warm. It's not masochism. You, just as you are, right where you are. Uh, let the cold kill off your ideas about it. Let there be nothing but cold or through. Then the entirety of things shivers and complains. This kind is really important. It's not just about cold and heat. Um, it is also about grief or fear, or anger. It transposes readily across a range. When you're in grief, let there be nothing but that. When you are tired, let there be nothing. Just tired, all through. When you are sad, just sad, all through. I want to read a poem. This, the, reading the poem is a luxury because I just love this poem so much and this is the best opportunity I have to read it because it has images of rain uh, and cold uh, in it. But um, I love the, how this 
can't uh, touch us here and there, profound points of, of Dharma. Um, it's called Conversation in Wartime, and it's a poem jointly written by two Australian poets, Peter Boyle and MTC Cronin. <coughs> and it's actually a dialogue, and I'll try and try with my voice to indicate the, the dialogue. What shines on the ground outside? Nothing but footsteps, the rain will hold forever. Night becomes too difficult, day too fragile, and the lights of parked cars pass right through your body. Little by little, less of you and me left on the sheets that never before seemed so fingerprinted by the dead. Somewhere a path tilting always upward beyond the valley floor. Somewhere the birds gliding deep within us and still the sun coming through the blinds. A bell ringing in the next street where shadows overlap and old ghosts argue the correct way to fold the hands of corpses. Even in death they barter, like us, creatures caused by monstrous love and flawed with causation. Then, over the tears of silence and the echo of the citadel, comes the sound of someone shaking a box of planets. Quietly it begins to rain, as if a city in war has weather, while in the world's first garden, without the slightest hint of grasping, the lily's hand closes around its life. The rain shines as we step outside, rain against rain. Somewhere the birds are gliding deep within us. This wonderful expression of the way. It's beautiful because it then tilts the other way. Uh, and still the sun coming through the blinds, a bell ringing in the next street. Left foot goes down, right foot goes down. The rain shines as we step outside, rain against rain. Just rain. <laughs> rain against rain. Just rain. Rain all through. Please use the precious time we have to practice and deepen the way. This is both personal uh, uh, for your benefit and it is sitting together as we do cold nights like this. We also deepen, enrich and enlighten each other uh, completely insensibly and completely beyond our knowing that we do that. Um, Thank you. Thank you, everyone.